Hi and welcome to this new podcast interview of Happy Habits with Celine. Today I am presenting to you Tapashi, who grew up in a traditional Brahman family in India, was also immersed, of course, in modern day ed- India education, but is really fascinated by this old traditions, tools, and wisdom, and how that can help us live in today's complex world and understand the human experience and our journey in this life. So I personally love listening to Tapashi and I hope you get a lot of inspiration out of this conversation. Today I am joined by Tapashi on the podcast and I'm really excited to have this conversation with her. So because everybody's of course curious who you are, if you had the possibility to introduce yourself in a few sentences so people kind of get a grasp of who you are and what you do, Mm -hmm. what would you say? Well, first of all, Namaskar. Uh, I am Tapashi. I'm um, from India. I was born in Assam, in the northeast of India, in a traditional Brahmin Hindu family. <laughs> but uh, my upbringing was um, um, quite different in a way that I grew up in uh, modern India with uh, modern education but my family is deep rooted in in the traditional um, style of living in a way, the traditional learning that comes with um, the the Brahmin traditions. So I had uh, a mix of both and um, uh, more and more I realize uh, how important those teachings and those understandings are to the modern world and uh, especially to kind of make sense of life and ourselves um, in, in this modern world. And I'm really fascinated by some of these um, ancient practices and philosophies that I find to be very, very helpful. Uh, but uh, I, I realize that most of this understanding, most of these teachings are kind of gathering dust under unpronounceable names in Sanskrit and um, uh, philosophies that seem quite out of place in this modern world, but it is not at all so. So my passion uh, today is really to reintroduce this uh, this wisdom that is gathering dust under unpronounceable names and uh, old books and uh, yeah um i live in switzerland at this moment and i teach um mostly some retreats and workshops and parts of teacher trainings um yeah so i i had a um a real childhood growing up in india and i spent most of my life in india and it's only since the last uh, three years or so that i live in switzerland and um yeah this has been my life so far a little bit in a nutshell beautiful i think what would be interesting to also start this conversation a little bit with what is yoga for you Uh, That's a very good question. (laughs) Um, Because most of modern yoga that is taught is, um, it revolves around um, practices to do with the body. 
Um, but if we look at yoga in the traditional sense of the term, it's not only asana, not only postures that we put our bodies in, but the word yoga literally means um, union. It's a state of being. It's a noun. It's not a verb. It's not something we do on a mat for one hour every morning or at one hour at the end of work every day. It's really a state of being. So for me, yoga is not something that you do. It's something that you are in or not. It's something that you live. So it can be um, the state of being while you are in a posture, the state of being while you are in a conflict with a colleague or a family member. It's the state of being while you are in nature. It's, uh, it's, it's your state of being internally. That is what is yoga in the end. Very nice. I like that because I think nowadays it's there's so many different definitions around yoga and I think people can also develop their own and kind of take practices that they like. Uh, but for me, I also see it that way that it's such a holistic practice and that we practice yoga, yes, on the mat, but mainly to bring it into our lives uh, and that it's so much more than just the yoga asanas. You have been talking before about the Brahman traditions, teachings, and wisdom, which is, of course, really interesting. If you had to take maybe an example that comes to mind so somebody can understand what you mean by this old mm -hmm. wisdom and how it can be applied in today's modern world. Um, so uh, there, there are actually, uh, if I go into practices um, it, there are many different practices which have now begun to permeate into the modern practice of yoga this has already begun uh, practices of meditation and again when i talk about meditation it's a state that happens we can take um, steps we can take some um, uh, tools to, um, for allow this uh, state to happen. But to say that we do meditation is wrong in, in the first place. We cannot do meditation. Meditation happens. So a lot of these practices I see that uh, have already begun to permeate into the modern world of yoga. Uh, and if I talk about philosophies, um, this is where it gets a bit more complicated because most of these philosophies... Um, are written in traditional, uh, in, in, in scripts in Sanskrit. And when they are translated by um, Western Orientalists, people who study uh, Oriental philosophy, they come with the filter of Western understanding of what religion is, of what, um, yeah, what good or bad action is. So this, so this is what I'm trying to um, deconstruct in a way because a lot of um, Western philosophies or Western Orientalists when they um, translate words like karma for example there is always a sense of good or bad which uh, kind of sits very well with biblical uh, ways of heaven and hell good and bad which actually is non-existent in Eastern philosophies um, 
I use the word karma. Uh, we can use any other word, but I like the use of, of the word karma because it, it appears in the uh, shloka uh, where there is the first mention of yoga in um, any of the old scriptures. I think the oldest um, definition of yoga as, as per really definition of yoga appears in the Kathopanishad. Um, but even older than that, there was the Bhagavad Gita and in the Gita, the, uh, this shloka appears that I'm talking about. Uh, your karma, which in Eastern tradition means your action. Your action is your only domain. Uh, the fruit of your action is not in your domain. And the second verse of this shloka says that when you experience equanimity in whether your action brings uh, fruits that you like or you don't like, when you have equanimity in that, then you begin to experience yoga. If I take that, if I extrapolate that to a yoga class, a modern yoga class where someone is trying to reach or achieve a particular um, posture, let's say, and one day they, they have this posture, they can see themselves in the mirror, which, by the way, is non-existent in traditional yoga shalas, <laughs> only in dance studio converted into yoga studios. <laughs> but if they see themselves in front of the mirror, one day they may be overjoyed to see themselves uh, achieve that posture. And I use the word achieve with careful attention. Uh, or one day they may be disappointed at not being able to put their body in the posture that they would see in an Instagram post, for example. Uh, if in both those states they can have equanimity, not feeling overjoyed for reaching some kind of advanced posture, not feeling uh, dejected for not reaching what they would have liked to reach, then we begin to experience yoga. That is the beginning of understanding what yoga is. To be content, to just make the action and find contentment in having achieved the action. That's it. The fruit of the action is not our domain at all. And when we begin to experience that equanimity, we begin to understand what yoga really is. So I'm, I'm taking this, uh, this verse out of the Gita to, to try and explain what uh, this whole vast Eastern philosophy comes from. I hope it is clear. It's really not easy to uh, to explain all of this in a few words in a few minutes. Definitely. And I guess the challenge here comes, you said you used the word achieving carefully because yeah. we are such an achievement-based society. Yeah. And so often a yoga practice becomes also a way of achieving yes. a certain state or achieving to do certain poses um, exactly. yeah. or being more flexible, which are all, I think, great side effects. Yeah. Um, but what do you personally see, for example, in your retreats or in your workshops with people and their modern day challenges and how mm -hmm. like what you just described or other concepts could help them find more of that equanimity or that that distance that maybe disattachment i don't know if that would be a good word to say 
Um, yeah. I, I uh, like the fact that you <laughs> you say um, that um, they're they're in this world of achievement and um, that uh, there is. Uh, um, I forgot the exact word you said. <laughs> what happens really in this, um, in most of my experience, is that um, the world of yoga is seen as um, to do with flexibility or to do with strength. In fact, a lot of students um, or even non-students, aspiring students, uh, when I speak to them about yoga, their first questions are, or their first doubts are, I'm not flexible enough or I'm not strong enough. Uh, and I like the fact that you use the word side effects because these literally are side effects of yoga, flexibility and strength. Because if yoga were about flexibility, all the gymnasts in the world would have been yogis. If it were about strength, all the bodybuilders and um, yeah, weightlifters would have been yogis. And they're not. So it has really nothing to do with that. In fact, uh, flexibility or strength may or may not come as a side effect. And um, for me, um, what I try to um, kind of imbibe or just put a seed of in my retreats is um, to understand that this state of being is really an internal state. Of course, we interact with our environment, which means we interact with um, persons and situations that affect our internal being, our internal state, our internal environment. But uh, in the end, if we, um, if we would like to be in yoga, it is to understand that this internal state is, um, it is possible for it to be independent. Not to say that uh, you, you stay in denial, not at all, but to understand uh, where and how this internal state is disturbed. Why is, uh, is it, if I look at it from a pers person's point of view, why is it that that external uh, stimulant affects this person and not another? Um, in the end, I think the, the most important thing that I, I like to bring in, the, uh, in my retreats especially is self-study or swadhyaya. It's, uh, it's only through self-study that we can understand that we are not limited beings in living in, mortal, uh, in a mortal body. We are really divine creatures living a mortal experience and um, this is uh, this is my aim to to kind of put the seed in to see that um, um, we are not separate from um, from the divine some call it god some call it energy some call it the supreme it doesn't matter what what name we give it but we are not separate from it. And this is the real uh, union or real yoga that we are, in fact, looking for in the end. And when it comes to um, bringing it to the modern world, it is important to understand, uh, I think we spoke about it uh, when we met the last time, 
that uh, we have traditionally schools in a place which is uh, most likely in nature, where it is very conducive to learning. You, you absorb a lot of information, but the idea is not to spend your whole life in school. The idea is to be able to take that same information, that same wisdom, that same alignment, and to be able to use it, apply it, remain in it while you are in the real world, so as to say, when you are going to work, when you are spending time with your family or friends, um, when you are in conflicts, when you have disagreements, to be able to find that same alignment which you would in a, a gurukul or in a cave while you are meditating. It's easy to meditate in a cave when you're all by yourself. But uh, to be able to have that same alignment in your regular life, that is where it counts. And that is what yoga is. It's not about living in a mountain cave all by yourself. It is about uh, having that same um, connection with yourself, that same alignment, that same um, um, yoga, that same union with the Supreme, no matter where mm -hmm. you are, and constant uh, pursuit, it's a constant uh, state of practice. Um, mm. Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful that you say it's a constant state of pursuit because we still sometimes have this idea that we would reach a certain level, a certain standard one day and that this will stick with us. But it's just constantly finding our way back into Absolutely. that alignment. Yeah, beautiful. It's also and a very Western concept of thinking. For example, a lot of people are in the pursuit of enlightenment. And uh, a lot of people seem to think that enlightenment just happens in a snap one day and then the next day on you are enlightened um, but th this concept is also a, a bit for i mean it could be possible it is one of the millions of possibilities and i think the most probable way of enlightenment is the enlightenment that happens every day a little bit enlightenment mm. is a constant process and we are constantly living that enlightenment and more we, are, we become conscious about it the more it uh, it becomes evident the more it um, gains momentum and so you have to really understand that enlightenment is really a process and what we do with our bodies is to make the body last long enough to have as much of enlightenment as we can have in this lifetime in this mortal body so what we do with our bodies is to really um, try and make them last long enough to have a yogic life, to have a young body, to have a healthy body, so that we can continue to have this process of enlightenment a little bit more every day. This is my mm. understanding. I like that perspective on the body because it really brings it up or brings our purpose in life higher. We're often so focused on our appearance and our achievements in life whereas there's just as you were describing before so much more to life and we're so much more than just this this body uh, but what came to mind before when you were speaking about these external stimulants uh, because there's so many external stimulants at the moment and right now looking at the world yeah. with corona 
virus changed a lot for people. Now we are facing a war in Europe. So how can yoga help people in these kind of situations that are really extreme? Um, this is a, a difficult question to answer because uh, I am uh, almost certain that it will be met with a lot of resistance or it would put a lot of people in, um, uh, yeah, in question. Um, so I can only speak for myself and that's exactly what I will do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the world of uh, yoga is um, an internal world. So um, when I say that, I mean that, uh, let me start with a controversial statement. And the controversial statement is that forget about um, changing the world outside. You can only change the world inside. That's the only domain you have. And now for everyone who will say that, uh, what can we do to help? What can we do to aid? The thing is, if it touches you directly, that you feel that you need to do something and you are in the power to do something, you have to absolutely respect it, listen to it and do whatever it takes for you to make a step, for you to be clear in your conscience, to say that uh, I felt the call to do some, to do X or Y steps and I made those steps. And then forget about what results come out of it. The exact same concept of make your action the word karma in the traditional word only means action it has nothing to do with destiny nothing to do with good or bad it only means action so if you are called to move into action do it without putting into judgment with anyone else who is doing this or that or not enough or not that's not your domain at all if you feel like you are in a place um, where you can't do much and uh, you are uh, you are kind of resigned to your place then stay in your truth there is nothing in the world that can move that um, this may not be very clear um, to everyone but i'm sure to people who feel this it will be absolutely clear what i mean i will not go into explaining too much about it because then it will take me hours <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to understand that uh, yoga is a state of um, yourself. Yoga is the state of your internal being. So if you want to help in any case in this, um, in this world which is being more and more divided, stay in the path of union. That's the only thing that I could say. Stay in the path of union and it always starts from within it always starts from yourself stay absolutely true to what uh, what your inner being is showing you teaching you guiding you um, and every external step should move should start from that inner inner point thank you for sharing your wisdom on that I think it certainly can inspire people because often in such situations we can get the feeling of helplessness, like mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do, yeah. but there's always something that we can do and our inner world or our world around us Absolutely. is where we can have, that's what we can 
actually influence really influence yeah the 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 differences that i see uh, that i notice are there are some people who would be moved to do um to maybe um gather care packages and send out um material help which people are in need of some people may be called to just sit in meditation sit in prayer and none of these are right or wrong responses what i think people uh, especially in the path of yoga should focus on is not right or wrong but the truth their ultimate and absolute truth it will not be the same with everyone else and it doesn't matter um, there is no need to justify oneself there is no need to judge another or the self but to stay in one's absolute truth and and make whatever action that uh, is that the person really feels called towards without hesitation any hesitation at all if you feel like your calling is to really um, sit in meditation and pray for the people who might need help don't worry about people who say oh your prayers or your candles don't help no they do help they do help and if you really feel the need or the, the, the push to go out and uh, bring blankets and medic medicines and go ahead and do that. This is exactly what uh, the world needs from you. And that's why you have felt that, that call. My uh, suggestion would be to be in your absolute truth. Let all your actions be guided from that inner truth. Hmm. How does one access that inner truth? Uh, very good question. I've been on this practice for, uh, for a few years now. Um, it starts with, um, with radical truth with oneself, with being completely true with oneself. Also understanding that your inner truth may change from some time. From some time you notice that... Uh, my absolute belief at that point of time was this but i realized that now it is not so be uh, be open to that change when you speak make sure you speak the absolute truth or nothing at all uh, this is something that i uh, try to practice um, the, it's one one of the four toltec um, guidelines as well um, mm. And uh, there is also one uh, phrase uh, from the Gita that Krishna spoke to Arjuna. He said, um, do not speak um, the unpleasant truth. And it does not mean that you have to lie. What uh, meaning or implication I understand from this is to be kind. If it is um, a truth that um, would be hurtful to someone make sure that you present it in the kindest way possible and the most important thing to remember here is that this kindness in expressing truth uh, starts from oneself so when you speak the radical truth when you speak the radical truth to yourself make sure that it is uh, completely enveloped in kindness to yourself first and then it can overflow to everyone and everything around um, 
I think the first path is really radical truth. Sometimes it has to be ruthless, but that is not the definition. There's radical truth does not mean ruthless truth. Um, if it is a truth that is difficult to digest, make sure it is still the truth, but wrapped in a lot of kindness. Mm. And then that, uh, that inner connection begins to develop all by itself. It's, it's something that happens. It's something that uh, flowers almost uh, inevitably like in spring. Mm. And if you look back on your own journey with spirituality and yoga, what do you see? What fluctuations? Because so often I feel like people are a little lost on their own journey mm -hmm. and we don't really see inside another person's journey. Mm -hmm. And because you speak such beautiful words of wisdom, but there is a, a path behind that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And the thing is, it is, um, wrong to to i see a lot of yoga teachers for example who sometimes struggle with their own lives and uh, find it very difficult to, um, to to accept to themselves that they are struggling and there is nothing wrong with it there is absolutely i i i say this because i've been through it myself i have been in that place where um, i was struggling within and um, I had uh, students coming to me for advice and for some reason with uh, with students I always had the right words to say and uh, they just passed through me with with some kind of guidance and when it came to my own life I was in absolute shambles um, but even in that uh, my pursuit was to be in the truth to be in the absolute truth and I think uh, that's the the first step, like I said before, that you can take. Um, uh, we are in a world that needs a lot of constant um, adjustments and changes, at least the last few years have been so. And um, a lot of personal relationships have been strained. Um, and uh, that, of course, affects our internal state. And um, one thing to understand is that it's nothing to be ashamed of and the first step that you can take is to be compassionate with yourself and only then you you fill yourself with so much compassion and love that it begins to overflow outside and when people see that um, when people even if they don't see it or hear about it people always sense it uh, it is we are in fact like radars, walking radars. Uh, we, we absorb energies, we, uh, we transduce and transmute and uh, even if we don't realize it. And it happens something even, even very physically, in fact. It's for some people who, for whom this energy uh, lingo is all hoo-ha words in the air, uh, talking about angels and fairies, it's something that happens physically. For, for example, if a, if a man is attracted to a woman, uh, without even realizing, they can sense, they can uh, smell the pheromones, not consciously. We cannot consciously smell the pheromones, but unconsciously, yes. Women, we always um, uh, sense the hormonal changes and we sync up with our menstrual cycles. 
This is something that happens physically. So we are really walking, talking, radars, connecting with everyone around us. And what we can do is just be conscious of it as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And um, I have several topics. Yeah. <laughs> Because last time we spoke, I also found it really interesting to see kind of the difference between words, understanding something intellectually and implementation in life, mm -hmm. which is something I also find challenging sometimes because I love to understand. I love to love to use the intellect. I'm good at grasping knowledge, yeah. but I'm impatient at actually letting it arrive in life. Yes, this, um, this is, uh, now I will go into something more esoteric. So for listeners who are not into this, <laughs> this would be the time to switch off. <laughs> Or if you are curious, uh, if you can just have a bit of curiosity. That, uh, that would help. So we have been in a very um, male-dominated world until now. And uh, in my view, from where I stand, I feel like we are going into a more um, female-dominated world. But uh, we are only at the beginning. So what happens is we have been um, uh, completely dominated by male energies so far. And again, there is nothing right or wrong about this. It is, and that's it. Um, so it means that reason and um, uh, discipline and uh, rationality and lines and angles have been more important than curves and feelings and intuitions and the more feminine side, which have been kind of suppressed for now. And now we are in the middle of this change from what I see. Um, so what happens is I, I can relate to what you are saying, Celine, because um, I have had myself uh, kind of the intellectual understanding of words and philosophies, but until they were really lived experiences, I cannot say that I totally understood exactly what it means. And in fact, from a rational point of view, only we can only understand so much rationally. If I were to ask you to write a book about your life or make a film about your life and use the most um, vivid images or the most um, uh, beautiful words or the most correct words, And someone who reads that book or watches that film is moved to tears when you are going through difficult times or is uh, full of joy when you are going through beautiful, enlightening times. But would you say that after having watched that film or read that book, do you think that they would be exactly the same person as you? I would imagine not. Yeah. Uh, so we can uh, intellectually grasp a lot of things, which is a big tool, which is a great tool, because before you can understand what empathy or compassion is, or what, before you can begin to practice it and bring it into your life, I think the first step is to understand it intellectually. And that is the first step. And then you go into more subtle things of really bringing it into your experience, bringing it into your uh yeah your, your inner dialogue your 
practice with the outer interactions with friends, with family, with people you like, you don't like, this becomes a more embodied experience. But this is the, the later part. But um, the first part of intellectually understanding is also important. Some people are lucky to skip that part and go into directly um, embodying it, which is the path of bhakti in the end, which is the path of um, utter devotion, where you don't have to rationalize uh, reason, to find a rational reason of why and how and what, but really into imbibing it, into embodying it. Um, and again, that is the feminine path. And um, most of the development of yoga that we see is from the lines and angles and discipline and uh, what you do with your body. In fact, all the yoga postures that you see are also from that masculine domination of lines and angles. We don't see much uh, flow and curve, which is very new to the modern yoga world. And it will continue in that way. And uh, this is just how it is. I don't want to put good or bad to it, but this is just how it is. And I, maybe, maybe that uh, at the end of the feminine cycle, it will come back to the masculine cycle. I, from where I stand now, cannot see that yet, but maybe it will be like that. Um, so don't worry about being only able to understand it intellectually, because I'm sure you've had experiences where you understand something intellectually first, and then you are able to embody it and you realize how much more profound that understanding is. You can, if you can just extrapolate that to every intellectual understanding. So when you understand something intellectually from your reason, from your thinking mind, even if you don't know exactly how it is to embody it, if you can just start from the starting point of possibility to say that there may be a lot more depth to when this is embodied, to when the experience is lived. If you can just start from there, that is good enough. To understand something intellectually and to give the possibility that there is much more depth in it, which I am not um, uh, in the right place and time to experience it in. But when the right place and time present itself, I will. And I just start from the starting point that there is a lot of depth that I may or may not be given the chance to experience. Hmm. And what does it mean for you to live from your personal perspective and maybe from the yoga perspective to live a fulfilled life? Wow, that's a, that's a very deep question, very heavy question. <laughs> Live a fulfilled life. <clears throat> um, from my perspective, um, most of the time the word fulfilled is, uh, it, it's, it's only now that people are talking about fulfilled life. Until very recently, the word was success live a successful life and again that was a very um, male way of looking a very masculine way of looking at the world and uh, even the terms and definitions of success were very masculine you'd have to earn x amount of money you'd have that kind of a life you'd have xyz uh, 
material possessions, doesn't matter. Uh, the way of looking at a fulfilled life is, um, in my opinion, um, to be in a place uh, of no regrets. Uh, to be in a place uh, of complete um, understanding and compassion for self, for one, one's own self, nothing else. To be completely sure that presented with whatever information that I was, presented with whatever situations um, and intelligence and understanding that I was, I made the action at that point, uh, knowing that it was the best action. And if I, if my mortal life should end the next moment, I would be at the point of complete acceptance, complete compassion towards my own self. If I were to see myself living the life as I did, um, at every point, if I could, every point of that timeline of my life, if I can say that I, I am happy with where I am. I didn't. I made the best decisions uh, until now. Even if I look back and think that the person that I am now, if I were the same person two years ago, I would have made the decision differently. But at that time, with the information that I had, with the intelligence, the understanding, the uh, the place where I was standing, I made the decision that uh, was the best decision for me. And that's why I am here today at this point. So if my point, if my life were to end at this point, I would be completely content. That would, that for me would be the most fulfilled life. If you can put your finger on any point on the timeline of your life and say that this person has done the best that they could have with whatever information they had at that point, uh, that would be a fulfilled life for me. So it really means, not sure if making peace is the right word, with all our experiences in life and seeing compassionately the development yeah. we go through. Exactly. And that we all do, we all make mistakes and yeah. afterwards we know it better because we've done the mistake or because we fell down. Exactly, exactly. And uh, this is something so, so um, primal, so... It's something that is so natural. I mean, a baby falls so many times before it starts to walk. We don't, we don't uh, swear on the baby because it's not walking straight away. No, it is important to fall a few times. And we have those cushions to fall a few times. And then we begin to walk. And that is just how it is. There is no good or bad, right or wrong about it. This is just how it is. Hmm. And that brings us a little bit to the topic of authenticity, <laughs> which I think is really interesting because you shared something interesting with me last time we spoke. Mm -hmm. If we manage to see our path that way, our individual path, mm -hmm. um, what does authenticity have to do with that? And what does authenticity mean to you? Um... I will answer. I will answer your question. But there is there is an underlying uh, question in your question. 
and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, when we talk about authenticity, or at least until now, there has been um, that, uh, that cover or that underlying current of um, ruthlessness. Like if you are authentic, you, you are uh, either disagreeable as a person or very harsh on yourself or uh, yeah, austere, but in, not in a nice way. Uh, austerity uh, does not really mean taking away um, comfort. It's nothing to do with God. In fact, people who practice austerity in that way or minimalism in that way, they, um, they do it with the most comfort. That is where they are most comfortable. Now, uh, I talk about uh, austerity and minimalism when we come to authenticity because this is, uh, in, a, in this material world, this is what, what I, um, what I, uh, what I connect that word with most, which is when I talk about authenticity, it's taking off all the layers, all those things that are not um, really aligned with who we are, and yeah, who we are and what we do. <laughs> so um, I bring these uh, these elements of um, minimalism or um, austerity in that sense but uh, it is not to be confused that if you live uh, if your truth is to have a house of maximalism or to have a life of maximalism and you take out few few things just to remove some layers that is not the way if it aligns with completely who you are and what you do keep those things because they are they are adding to who you are to your authentic person to your authentic being uh, so just to leave out any confusion of that, um, but to really take out everything that doesn't fit in with who you are, in your words, in your being, in your actions. Uh, in fact, I could just use the word action, action not just of body, but action of your mind, uh, action, action of your emotion, emotions. Uh, let everything be completely aligned with who you are. When you speak or when you move, let it be an expression of who you are. That is that for me is authenticity. And um, I think that I feel like the whole world is moving towards that. We are all kind of in search of who we really are. Sometimes that authenticity is. Um, uh, confused with being um, harsh on, on ourselves or our, on others, which has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I think it's a, uh, it's really a compassionate search, or like I said before, a, a, a pursuit of one's inner being, of, of one's complete truth, one's absolute truth. And what helped? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think about the the layers you you were talking about. For me, authenticity is also that taking away of layers, masks, yeah. learned behaviors that are not really us, but that at a certain point in life helped us yeah. to survive yeah. or to be happier and whatever that meant at a certain time. But yeah. as we 
grow up to be adults and independently can shape our lives, we then have the choice to relearn who we are and let go of who we are not. This is exactly what I said at the beginning of the uh, of the talk, that uh, your absolute belief can be different from who you were two years ago. And uh, so long yeah. as you can see exactly where you stand today and accept it and uh, appreciate it with all compassion, all of your love, that is what matters. And to be able to <laughs> accept and appreciate the person who you were two years ago is also important because that person mm. was also just being authentic, just being themselves. Even though mm -hmm. belief may not completely align, you were probably functioning from, um, like you said, some learned behaviors that help you cope, that help you make sense of the world around of the world uh, around of you, kind of uh, develop a protective mechanism which you may not need today. But that person did. That Celine uh, four years ago, ten years ago did. So when we can learn to be completely compassionate of that person who we were in the mm. timeline, uh, that is what matters, that is what counts, that is what will allow us to be, to even grow and find more enlightenment 10 years down the line. And then you can mm. be passionate about the person who you are today, but it starts right now, right here. Mm. And if you look at your own personal experience, mm -hmm. What helped you distinguish between what is really you, what is your truth, and what is not? Um, what helped me distinguish? Um, actually, what helped me distinguish was um, the time when I was not completely authentic, because then things started falling apart, so I had to thank those times. Uh, I don't know where it came from, but I remember from uh, a very young age when I was a, when I was really a child. Um, I felt this compassion, uh, sorry, this this compulsion to uh, speak the truth, no matter what. And there were times when I had lied, and uh, no one outside found out that I had lied, but inside I was in a really bad shape. I, I couldn't face myself. I was in a I, I was in a really bad shape. But it is because of that, if I were to answer your question of what helps me distinguish, it's because of those uh, uh, fallbacks that I realize what really nourishes me, what really nourishes me, even though at some at the uh, at one point of time, it may be the most difficult thing to do. Uh, when I follow my path of absolute truth, my absolute truth, uh, that is when I'm most fulfilled, that is when I'm most, I feel nourished from within. And, uh, and when I see that difference, uh, it's easy for me to walk down this path and not the other. But what helped me distinguish is walking on the dark side. That is a, a beautiful perspective because we so often want to escape the dark side. Yeah. But how can we know light if we don't know the darkness? How can we know who we are if we don't know 
what we're not or yeah, yeah. what is not our truth. That is also yeah. being that uh, that absolute compassionate, uh, authentic person because then you you see that side of you that you yourself don't like and maybe perceive the outer world will not like that person but when you see that okay this is who i am this is how i function this is my inner posture energetic posture uh, when we begin to be uh, authentic at that level when we begin to be true to ourselves at that level things begin to change in a way that i cannot explain and this is when we start uh, seeing the tree for the whole tree not just what is above the ground the tree is as much below the ground, the roots go into the dark, and that is exactly why the shoots can go up to the light, to the sky. Uh, and when we see the, the whole thing, uh, we begin to see that all of it is playing their role in the universe. The roots are not bad for seeking the darkness and going downwards. That is their role to play in the whole magic of the universe. And the shoots have their role to play. They're not doing something heroic and uh, brilliant by going up to the light. They're just playing their role and that's it. And where you find yourself is where you find yourself. What a beautiful picture. Hmm. I think I could still talk about a lot of topics with you. <laughs> Maybe we can do a follow-up um, session um, because now we've been talking a little bit about I mean, about you and about yoga and about authenticity and the internal state and how to deal with external factors. But we could go into depth um, much more into all of this. And I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's now, out of, all, out of all these topics we talked about today, if you could one, give one wisdom or just personal advice to people being in distress today or not feeling that like they're living their authentic life or their mm -hmm. authentic life journey, what would mm -hmm. that be? Uh, that would be to, to stay in observation of oneself. The most important thing, everything we experience in life, in terms of matter, in terms of uh, energy, in terms of situations, connections, people, everything is an opportunity and a tool to understand yourself, to study yourself. Uh, if I had to give one piece of advice or one word, uh, that would be to stay in observation of yourself without going into judgment, without going into um, yeah, ego or that whole self-pride situation, but really to be in self-study, to take every moment to understand yourself because this is what is what it is in life doesn't matter what you do uh, to bring bread to the table doesn't matter what you do to entertain yourself all you are doing is understanding uh, unraveling uncovering yourself so do it consciously that is a very beautiful way of ending this conversation thank you so much thank you Celine. <laughs> and i hope we yeah i hope we get to do a follow-up one of this one because this was a lot of fun and very interesting to hear your perspectives it's a pleasure absolute pleasure <laughs> thank you so much for joining in on this conversation i would of course love to hear 
what you could take from it, uh, what inspired you. If you would like to maybe do a retreat or know more about Tapashi and follow her journey, you can do that on Instagram at Tapashivam. I put all the links in the description or her webpage is tapashiyoga.com. With that being said, I wish you a beautiful day ahead. And if you would like us to do a follow-up conversation, what kind of topics would you like us to dive into? What kind of questions are there you would like to get different a different perspective on? I would love to hear from you and have a beautiful day ahead.